know, I'm in the back and I tell the girls because of today's study, we're going to be in 1 John 1, 5. It's about walking in the light. So my daughter's in the back and Ariel's in the back. And I said, you know, I'll be cool if you, because she's asking me about the light. And I said, it'd be cool if you put like the light at full blast just to see if I shine. And they're looking at me like, it's an idea. But um, this morning I want us to look at the difference between walking in the light of God and the darkness of sin. We're going to look at the light of God and its application not towards the unsaved, but rather towards those who proclaim to have fellowship with God. As you all know, our nation, we've, we've been experiencing some very dark times huh, as of lately. But everything that's been going on also serves to remind me of the most important light in my life as a Christian, and that is the light of God. You know, God's light impacts me in everything that I do. And that's what we're going to read with 1 John. Like I said, this letter was written to believers, unlike the Gospel of John, which was written to the unbeliever. So let's look at verse 5 of 1 John. This is the message which message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, I like what John says here. You know, what we have heard, this message we proclaim to you. He and the other apostles had written letters to other churches, huh? So John says here in this very profound and powerful statement, this is the gospel message that we shared with you. We didn't get this message from men. This message that we brought to you, the message of salvation, the message of hope, the message of you know, being restored, the message of deliverance, this message didn't come from me. It came from God. This isn't something that I imagined. It's some, not something I thought about. No, no, no. This is what I heard, and now I proclaim it to you. And who did he hear it from? I heard it from Jesus. You know, one of the most beautiful things is Jesus was his teacher. And John is passing along everything he heard from the Lord. This letter was written about 60 years after the resurrection of our Lord. Yet John very clearly remembers what he heard from Jesus himself. 
The reason he wrote this letter, he wrote it because it was false teachers who began creeping into the church, saying that the spirit of Christ, of the Christ, had fallen on the man, Jesus, during his baptism. So obviously this was a direct attack on the full divinity of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is fully man and fully God at the same time. And some were starting to be deceived into believing that we could live both a holy life and an unrighteous life at the same time. But that's not what the gospel is about. Now I'll tell you what, I believe one of the most destructive decisions that was ever brought upon our nation occurred on January the 17th of 1963 with the decision to remove prayer from public schools. See, when you remove God's light, something has to take its place, and that's darkness. And that's what happened in the school systems. That's what happened throughout all of America. You start to remove God's light, and darkness begins to creep in. And you begin to see the effects of this darkness over the last you know, 60 or six decades. You can see the absence of God in America. You can see how it has impacted everybody. We can see the darkness of sin. We have seen an increase in pro-abortion movements, pro-homosexuality, promiscuity, gangs, drugs, and many other sinful behaviors. And you can see its effects on its society, but not only on the society itself, but also in the church, in our homes. Why would I say the church? Well, it is because the church itself today is divided as well. Just as the church was being torn apart by false teachers in the days of John, so it is being apart, torn apart today by heresies. It's being divided by those who say that men and women who are practicing a sinful lifestyle can teach the word of God from the pulpit. These are the very ones who proclaim themselves to be full of knowledge, yet deny the very sin that they themselves practice as sin. Because the gospel brings about a conviction to turn from your sinful nature, your sinful behavior, your sinful life, to one of being renewed, being transformed, and being ready for eternal life with Christ Jesus. See, you turn from, from death to life. I can recall when living in Texas, when they interviewed the female pastor of the largest homosexual church in the Dallas area. And then towards the end of the interview, they asked her, how do you reconcile Romans 1? You see, Romans 1 says, these will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this is her response. We don't teach those things here. But just as Paul warned Timothy against false teachers coming into the church, in 2 Timothy 4, it's 3, it says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, 
but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myth. So must John also attack the heresies that the agnostics were bringing into the body of believers. Because the body was being divided. The body, there were those in the body, and even today, who think it's okay to live a, a sinful lifestyle and preach the gospel. There are those who say, oh, you can be a pastor and be in a homosexual relationship and still preach Christ. But that's darkness and light. They can't cohabitate. It's got to be one or the other. If you walk in the light of Christ, your desire can't be to teach a false gospel or to teach only what you think is your convenience or what sounds good to the listener. Why? Because the truth of Jesus should rule over all your sinful desires. That's what we read in John 12. When Jesus was you know, being confronted by the crowd, it says the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while. Walk while you have light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. See, in order to walk the path of righteousness, we must walk in the light of Christ. That's what you read in Psalms 119. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So John brought this gospel, right, that set people free from the captivity of sin, but the enemy has a way of creeping into the church, and usually he works from within the church itself to try to divide the church, to deceive anybody who believes the truth. I love what it says, that God is light. In scripture, light speaks to God's holiness, his glory and biblical truth. John 1 4 and 5 says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. While darkness in the scripture speaks of the corruption of the flesh, and this is what you see in Galatians 6. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. You know, recently, we've all seen, right, all the killings that have been going on on the TVs. So many people, while these tragedies happen, the reality of it is that these killings happen weekly throughout the entire nation. It's not just with guns, but with knives, beatings, car crashes, violence, road rage, car wrecks, but these today are so commonplace that they're rarely given any attention at all. But what people need to understand is that all these happen because men walk in spiritual darkness. The spiritual darkness of this world because Satan is the god of this world. See, Satan is in control in this world. And so he blinds people. And he's be he began doing it long ago. 
He's been blinding a lot of, a lot of people. You know, it's sad because the uh, last killings that we saw in Texas and El Paso, I used to deliver to the, uh, the Walmarts in El Paso. And I started thinking to myself, did I ever deliver to that one? Huh. I wonder if I did deliver to that one. You know, it's sad. But I'll tell you what. We have a God who gives us a light. A light that must shine in each and every one of us. A light that has to be like a city on a hill, shining for those who are in darkness to see it and, and follow it. It says, Paul and John, they were men who walked in the light of God. They were saturated by God's glory and God's holiness. They were so saturated in the glory of God that when people looked upon them, they could tell there was something different about these men. That is what the Pharisees said when they were arrested, when John was arrested. This man has not learned, but they knew there was something about him. They remember, he walked with Jesus. You, know, you can see the glory of God in somebody who is walking in the light of God. Now, prior to the banning of school prayer, our children knew about God. They had in their hearts a conviction of right and wrong. But today, our schools are completely being given over to what the Bible says is darkness. With every kind of legislation that opposes God being implemented at the school level. Because that's where the devil's getting them. He's starting with your kids. The little ones. When my son and daughter, they, they were homeschooled most of their entire life. And one year they had to go to public school. And my kids were raised, you know, believing in God. And I can recall me and my wife were talking about this a while back. How one of the teachers was amazed because my kid would always ask questions. And talk about Jesus and Christmas. And she was happy because she says, I can't say none of that here. I'll get in trouble if I mention the name of Jesus. But she loved my son being a student in her class because he could ask. You know, that legislation is put there for a purpose. It's to darken the spirit of our kids, to normalize sin as, norm, you know, as something that everybody does. You know, these legislators, I see them and I think to myself, claiming to be wise, they become fools. These men and women wrap themselves in the darkness of sin. But guess what? We have a giver of light. Someone who lights our path, lights our hearts, lights our lives up. We read in Psalms 27, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom I sh shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. And then in chapter 36 it says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see the light. Man, think about who you have and who you serve. Think about who you walk with. It is the God Almighty 
the giver of life, the, the one whose spirit shines in every one of us, the one who came down from heaven and taught us right from wrong, the one who prepared the path for us to go into eternity. It is him that we follow. If you're a Christian, if you say, Lord, I give my life to you, then he comes in you. He dwells in you. He lives in you. See, you can't be like those people who say it's okay to live one way and then come to church and pretend you're something else. It's impossible. The Lord reminded me of Moses. When Moses was up in the mountain in the presence of the Lord, and I love it because it says this in Exodus 34. When Moses came down from the Sinai, Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that his skin, okay, think about it, the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. So there's Moses coming down the mountain, right? Just shining. His face is all lit up like, hey, guys, he's got the tablets. What's going on? And he's all excited. And everybody could see it in his face. You know, it says that Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses. And behold, the skin of his face shone. And guess what? It says they were afraid to come near him. Why? Because the very essence, the very glory of God, the majesty of the Lord had penetrated deep into him, and now it's coming back out. See, that same God lives in you. That same light should shine out of you. So that when people see you, they're like, dude, there's something different about this guy, something different about this girl. What is it? It's Christ. His light beaming out of us. So, do we have the light in us? Yes. But if you truly want it to glow, if you want it to be manifested, if you want to show the radiance of the Lord, you must come to the presence of God daily. Just as Moses says, before that in verse 11, it says that Moses and God talked face to face. Think about that. So while they're talking, the very essence of God is being transferred over to Moses. So who do you spend more time with? Yourself, TV, the world, or God? See, if we're in the presence of the Lord every day, His very power transfers to us. His glory will be reflected in us. And wherever you go, people can see it. Because there is no darkness in my God. My God is a God of light, a God of power, of majesty, of glory. Man, I'm amazed that I'm even allowed to serve him, honestly. I am truly, truly amazed that the Lord allows me to come before his presence. And in verse 6, it says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. And I'll share with first service that I often find it hard to see people wearing crosses, T-shirts with something about God, stickers on their cars, tattoos on their bodies, 
anything that has to do with God or scripture, yet they cuss, they get drunk, they abuse their wives and their children. They have road rage. I was sharing with them that I saw a car had a big jump, 316, and meanwhile, the guy's flipping somebody off next to him. Really? I said, dude, take that sticker off the back of your car. You, should, you ought to be ashamed. How can you have a 316 sticker while you're flipping somebody off? Who are you spending time with? Where's your conviction? Where's that light that should be shining out of you? As I said, you know, as Christians, we cannot be comfortable in darkness. As Christians, we can't be comfortable sitting in sin and then pretending that everything's okay on a Sunday morning, that we're all good, that, not, you know, it's all right. God forgave me already for last night. I had a few too many, but I'm good. Guys, it doesn't look good. We need to be in the light of Christ. We need to have fellowship with Jesus Christ. We need to resist sin. We need to always be in the presence of the Lord. And I'll tell you what. I didn't tell this to the first service, but it took me a while to go back to my family after I got saved. They, you know, they love to party. They enjoy having their beers. And even to this day, they still, whenever... I go over, you know what they always say? Come on, bro, have a have a chela, have a beer, man, have a what do they call those uh, micheladas? Why? That's my that's always say. Why? Oh, I'll make you feel good. Jesus makes me feel good. I don't need that, brother. Let me tell you. I always tell him, you know what, bro? See that doesn't do anything for me. Doesn't bring me joy. Doesn't bring me happiness. Nothing. But the Lord, now He brings me joy every day. I don't need nothing else but him in me to give me joy. And you know what? Usually that just <laughs> shuts my up. But see, I got to be the light. But if I sit there and it's like, all right, hand me one over. You know what they're going to say? I thought you go to church. I thought you were a Christian, bro. What are you doing? See? That's the devil. He entices you to fall into the trap, and when you fall into the trap, he throws it in your face real quick. Bam! Like a bat. What are you going to say then? Uh, see, why put ourselves in that situation? It says, if we say we have fellowship with who? With Christ, we walk, while we walk in darkness, we lie. We lie. We lie to him. We lie to ourselves. We lie to everybody. Now my question is, are you full of grace, full of love, per, uh, peace, mercy, compassion, righteousness, holiness, or are you full of selfishness, arrogance, envy, anger, hatred? If something is not of God, then we must bring it to the light of God and expose it for what it is, sin, that the light of God may remove it from our lives and in its place, be what? Be glorified. The Lord will always be glorified in our lives when we do the things that honor Him. If we have fellowship with Christ, you must abandon all these types of sinful behaviors. Because why? Because you've been transformed. See, your, your thinking gets transformed. 
Your heart gets transformed. Your spirit goes from death to life. Your thinking cannot be like it was when you were in the world. Your thinking cannot be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to have a party. It's okay. Everybody can drink their pisco, but I won't. You know, when people come to my house, I used to have arguments with my brother over He would get so mad, right? Because they would come to my house, and then they would try to snatch the beer on the side of the house, and I'd always catch them. They thought they were slick. Hey, bro, what's that? Oh, I thought you wouldn't mind. I said, no, 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 this, this is my house. This is the house of the Lord. We cannot desecrate the house of the Lord. See, in my house, the Lord says, walk with me. Walk with me in holiness. And so they will stop drinking. Because that's, my home belongs to the Lord. My life belongs to the Lord. My family belongs to the Lord. So I want to glorify God in everything I do. I don't want to lie. I want to honor him. I want to practice the truth. You know, I was concerned with the first service that back in Texas when we used to uh, you know, have service on Sunday mornings and Monday nights. Every Monday we would have a, a, a bunch of men get together and we would have an all-night men's prayer and worship. And then from there you would leave to work. But let me tell you, when you left, oh my gosh, it was amazing. I saw God do just some incomprehensible things. Like, it was amazing, I'll tell you that. I left from there glowing. I, I, I walked out of there a few times thinking I was walking on air. Because the Spirit of the Lord would just move all night as we sat there and prayed and praised Him all night long. That when things went bad at my job, it was okay. I still felt the power of the Lord. And even as a truck driver now, you know, every day I'm praising the Lord as I'm driving around because a lot of people are crazy. Four-wheelers make me mad sometimes. But you know what? I didn't always walk in the light of the Lord. Prior to, to 2001, I walked in darkness. I walked in shame. But on January the 21st at 7.30 p.m., year of 2001, the light of Christ came into my life. See, because prior to that, I had overdose, and I was dying on a chair by myself. And I thought it was the saddest thing that I was going to die on a chair with nobody around me. And two days later, when I came back, by God's grace, I called my wife, and I said, Hey, babe, are you going to church tomorrow? On a Sunday night, I asked her, and she said, yeah, I said, I'd like to go with you. But prior to her picking me up on that Monday evening to go to that class, I decided, you know what, I got, I got some math. Let me just do my math. So I took a whole bunch of math, and I walked in there like a deer caught in headlights. And I remember I just dying two days prior to, but see, when sin has a hold of your life and darkness grips you, you never think about what's best for you. Because darkness blinds you. It corrupts you. It destroys you. It kills you little by little. And I knew I was a dead man walking. And when I went to that class with her, and I heard that brother Albert just preaching the gospel and preaching what he was saying, all I could think of was because the, the word of God penetrates the darkness. And as it penetrated my heart, I said, whatever he's preaching, I want it. And at the end, when he did an altar call, I was the only one who got up. And everybody laid their hands on top of me and just started praying for me. 
and I heard chains fall, literal chains falling. I looked down on the floor because I thought somebody dropped something. I heard the voice of the Lord say, no, those are your chains that held you in bondage. You are free. Free. And the light of God came into my life. And for the first time I could breathe, for the first time I can see clearly, for the first time I knew that I was not the same. And I went back to the car and I was crying. I told my wife, something happened. She's like, what? I said, oh, no, but I was crying like a baby, right? Something happened. It's gone. <laughs> and she's like, what? I said, the drugs, the desire for alcohol, everything's gone. I'm clean. That's the power of God. And that's the light that lives in each and every one of us who call ourselves believers. But we have to embrace that light, believe that light, stay in that light, remain in the day and night. We cannot walk in darkness and walk in the light at the same time. You can't. It doesn't work that way. Because otherwise you're lying to yourself. You cannot say, today is Friday. Like my coworkers, well, when we're leaving work, it's Friday, bro. I got the chelas are nice. That's not us. You know what? I tell them, it's Friday, bro. I'm going to go home and pray with my family. And one of them looks at me the other day and says, oh, it's cool. <laughs> but see, they know. I've had my coworkers come to me and say, what's different about you, bro? Why aren't you like the other drivers? It's Jesus. That's what's different. I've had customers who one day cuss me out and the next day they're being friendly because you know, they get convicted and they ask me one time, one of them says, why aren't you like the other truck drivers who you know, do this and do that? I said, because it's Jesus. See, Jesus, Jesus lives in here. And I want to practice what Jesus teaches me. And I want to walk in the light of Christ. So when they're cussing at me and telling me off, I can, oh, trust me, I've had to bite my tongue a few times. Like, <laughs> because I'm not going to let the devil tempt me into saying something that's going to blow my witness. I've had customers who have done that, and they're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And next thing you know, they're being like, oh, sorry, bro, I know I messed up. Because they're walking in the flesh. It's not easy to walk in the light of God. I know that. But he gives us the strength to do it. He gives you the courage to do it. And when you spend day after day in prayer, prayer in the morning and prayer at night, his light will shine brightly in you. You will go to bed at night feeling peaceful. You will wake up in the morning feeling rejoiced. And the first thought in your mind will be, let me thank my God for giving me another day of life. But if you don't pray at night, you don't pray in the morning, you're going to have an ugly day, and then you're going to come home all bitter and take it out on your family. You know, Manny gave us a book to all the, the um, assistant pastors and leaders to read, right? Well, me and my wife and my kids, we're going through it together as a family, so it's a little bit slower because we're reading it together, and then we discuss what we read. Because I can just read a book and not get nothing out of it. But when you read and you stop and you discuss, that's when you start getting everything out of it. And that's how it is with the Lord. When you stop and you pray and the Lord speaks to you, you hear his voice and you grow. 
You know, I was sharing with uh, First Service how many years ago I was making a delivery. And I was so concerned and, and wrapped up in my delivery that I heard the voice of the Lord say, hey, go share with that man over there. By the time I turned around, he was gone. And I felt like dirt. Because I knew I disobeyed the Lord. I didn't do what he told me to do right away. So I, I just came before the Lord and in my truck. I was sitting there by myself, and I just said, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I ask you, forgive me, Lord, and give me a second chance, please. Two weeks later, about 70 miles away from where I was making that delivery, that same truck pulls in. And he's about 100, 150 feet away from me, and the Lord said, hey, there's your second chance. You know what I did? I dropped everything I was doing and I ran. I didn't walk, I ran. There's this guy looking at me like, stop with this bottle. I get to the door and he gets off and I'm like, let me catch my word. I wasn't in shape, right? Gordito, you know, too many tacos. So I shared with them what happened two weeks before. And I shared the gospel with them. And then he shared one thing with me that to this day has never left me. He said, that day when I saw you, that morning my wife left me and my kids for another man. And my kids have been traveling with me for two weeks, and they're in there, and I can see the kids. They're in the, in the sleeper. And so I, I prayed with them. He received the Lord. Five years later in Bakersfield, California, making another delivery, five in the morning, here comes this truck. And I'm looking at him, I see him, he comes, we start talking. He says, thank you, bro, for sharing the gospel with Jesus, uh, about Jesus with me. I'm still walking with him. See, but if you don't spend time with Christ, how can you share the gospel? The light of the Lord has to shine in us, has to just flow out of us. No, we're not perfect, we're still being perfected, okay? We're, we still get tempted with sin, but we don't want to practice the lie. We want to practice the truth. Everything you hear, everything you read, we need to put it in action. Not just words, but with deeds. We, you know, it says in verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Think about that. If we walk in the light as he is light, meaning Jesus. We have fellowship with one another. Are we walking in the light every day? You know, that's what I ask the Lord. I do. I ask him all the time, Lord, am I walking right with you? Have I sinned? Have I just been disobedient? Whatever sin in my life, maybe I don't know, Lord. Please show me it so I can repent of it. Because I want that relationship. I want that fellowship with my God. I want that fellowship with my brothers and sisters. I want to be able to stand before you and say, yeah, I'm okay. God is good. But if not, I want to be able to confess it. Because fellowship is having a relationship. See, you can't be a believer and know that you're sinning and just, if I don't tell nobody, nobody will know. God knows. He knows. And what's worse, and I think about this, 
Sin is like a, like a dirty, oily rag. Now, I got some rags in my, in my rig that I use for cleaning sometimes, and they're all filthy, right? I'm taking them home. I've thrown them in the washer before. I put all kinds of OxyClean, and they don't come out clean. They still look the same, and I'm like, man, that stuff is pretty strong, you know, that grease and all that junk. Well, see, that's a sin is. Sin doesn't come out on its own. But when you're washed in the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, gone. All your sin, all your iniquity, all your filth, gone. Man, it's like, thank you, Lord, you made me white as snow. And then you have fellowship. That's when we have our fellowship with the Lord. When I first got saved, I went back. I went back to some of my homeboys, some of the guys that I knew, right? And I was so filled with joy about what happened in my life, my conversion, how I came to know Jesus Christ. You know what they said? You'll be back. I looked at them and I said, no, I won't. Guess what? No, I didn't. Because I knew what I'd been given. I went from death to life. I went from darkness to light. Why would I want to go back to the dark? Why go back to death? When I have eternal life in Christ Jesus promised because of his finished work on the cross, because of that precious blood that was shed on Calvary for a knucklehead like me, for you. Why would I want to give that up for the sin of the world? See, we need our fellowship with the Lord. You sin, okay, confess your sin. You need somebody to pray with, okay. Go to a brother, go to an elder, go to a, a, one of the pastors and say, you know what, I messed up this week. I sinned. Can you please pray for me, pray with me? Because it's hard when you see some of your favorite pastors, like one of my favorite pastors on the radio, it's hard to see him fall into the sin of pornography and into adultery and not confess it until it's, he's caught. That's hard. Yeah. So we need to have that fellowship where we can come to each other and say, hey, bro, I blew it. Please pray for me. And I love because verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Are you being deceived? Is the enemy telling you you're okay? Is the enemy saying, don't worry. Last night, nobody knows. So you had a few more than you should have. You know, yeah, so you met up with that girl down the street. You know, that's what the enemy says. So we have to recognize that we do sin. So that we don't deceive ourselves. So that the truth of the Lord can live in us. I'm afraid. I was showing with the first service. I'm afraid. I am afraid of lying to the Lord. I'm afraid of sin. I am. I'm afraid of sinning and disappointing my God. And it's something that is with me every day. Throughout the day, I'm just like, you know what? You're a servant of the Lord. Honor him. Disappoint him. Don't sin. Yeah, if a girl wants to flirt, run the other way. That's what Paul told Timothy. 
Run. Don't, Don't fall for the trap. Learn from what others have done wrong in their lives and say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to fall for that lie. Yeah, we walk in the light, but we also walk in a fallen world. You know, I drive the 60 sometimes, and all those billboards, they're tempting to look at. Sometimes when I have to run this area to make deliveries, I end up, you know, delivering across the street or next door to some of these places that I'm like, ah, let's look that way better. I don't want to fall. I don't want to lust. I don't want to be coveting any other woman other than my wife. It's hard. But as long as the Lord is with me and speaking to me, and I listen, and I do what he says, I'm okay. You know, I want the truth of the Lord to be evident in my life. Because it says in verse 9, if we say, oh, excuse me, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful. Think about that one. Faithful. And just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. You know, it's kind of crazy because I think about how we can be sometimes. We, we tell people, oh, I forgive you already. Don't worry. But you know you're lying. Because the moment they do something, they throw it, bam, right up in your face, huh? Even if it happened 15 years ago. <laughs> but it happens. And then you're like, did you really forgive me? That was 15 years ago, woman. <laughs> Just kidding, babe. No, but that's, that's how we are. We say we forgive you, but we don't. A lot of times we harbor it, we hold it, and we're waiting for that opportunity to use it against you. But see, God is merciful. God is gracious. God forgives. He says, I do not remember your sin no more. It is as far as the east is from the west and the north is from the south. And when you look at God's heavenly realm, you know that far. Talking about 10,000 light years away, and then they tell you you got to sleep for like 100 years to get halfway. I'm like, too much math for me, bro. I just know it's God. It's big, and God forgives, and he doesn't remember. If we confess our sins, God does not remember what you did. Man, that's so awesome. Imagine a clean slate. Bam. That is the greatest thing. I can wake up every morning and know, yes, I still haven't blown it. God is good. God is merciful. But we have to confess all of our our unrighteousness. All of it. We have to bring it before him and say, Lord, this is what I've done. Lord, I don't want to hide this from you. Lord, I don't want my iniquity to separate me from you. Because Sin is inequity. Sin separates you from the Lord. If you ever feel that you can't come before God, it's because there's sin in your life. Unconfessed sin. If you cannot look up to heaven and say, glory to my God, there's sin. You remember what happened when there was sin in the camp? 
when Achan stole, the Lord revealed that how he exposed the sin in the camp. You know, there's Joshua like, how did we lose, Lord? I don't get it. And the Lord said, there's sin in the camp. And they find the sin. And they remove the sin. Well, God wants to remove your iniquity, all your unrighteousness. God says, I want a, a relationship between you and I where you can come to me as my child. Let me tell you, when I was growing up, I couldn't come before my mama. Ooh, mi jefita, forget it. <laughs> I was more afraid of my mama than my dad. That's bad, huh? <laughs> my mama, you know, they have a, they always say, you know, they, the Latina mothers have the, the flying chancla. My mom had the, the flying chancla, the flying sartén, the pan, the flying uh, ironing board, you name it, it was flying. I mean, geez. Be like, I thought if I ever confessed, I was going to be forgiven. It was crazy. But see, God doesn't do that. God doesn't throw chanclas at you. He, he forgives you, and then he embraces you and says, come on, mijo, let's go. Vamos, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep walking together. Come on. I love it because I look at Enoch, and Enoch, he walked 300 years with the Lord and was no more white because the Lord took him. Bam. Gone. I am sometimes I, in a holy jealousy of Enoch. Like, why couldn't that happen to me? You know, but the Lord says, no, you still got work to do. Quédate y sit right there. Do what I tell you. But see, Jesus washes all their sin. He takes it all away from us. You know, confess your unrighteousness. Bring it to him. If you have to gather a couple of pastors to confess your sin, that's okay. Do it. But don't dwell. Don't sit in unrighteousness. Don't sit in your filth. You know, it's like a kid who's sitting in a diaper that they've gone. It smells, right? Well, that's what sin is. Literally. It's like sitting in your own filth. God says, no, let me change your pañales, your diapers. I'll put a new one on you. You know, I was teasing them this morning because Last night I was messing with one of my nephews and I said, oh, I'm going to give you a good nalgada. And so I grab him and I go like this, messing with him, and he's making like a U. He almost like, Ooh, no, you're not. <laughs> and I was cracking up. I'm like, boy, you're good at this. You've got some experience, huh? <laughs> See, but God, he's so good and gracious. He doesn't do that. Although I do deserve some nalgadas, my ears being pulled every now and then, like, you know, my mama used to do when I was little. I deserve it. But, you know, verse 10 says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Is God a liar? No. Not at all. So let's never say, we never sin. I'm good. I'm holy. What have I done wrong? I don't do anything wrong. Just the things we watch on TV should tell us we're doing wrong. The music we listen to. I was saying, you know, earlier that when I got saved, I mean, I grew up listening to, you know, a lot of banda music. And there was some banda music that I, you know, when I got saved, I was ashamed of. I got home, I took all these, for those of you who don't know, CDs. <laughs> They're like, what's a CD? A little disc about this big. So I got home and I broke all of them. Every single CD that I had, I broke them all, 
threw them all in the trash. We took all our movies, got rid of all that junk that didn't glorify the Lord. And in this place, the Lord gave me something better, VeggieTales. <laughs> Found myself singing, VeggieTales, VeggieTales. Me and my kids are like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> Look at Larry the cucumber. Yeah, but guys, we don't want to remain in our sin. Don't make God to be a liar. You know, the truth is that God loves you. He loves you just the way you are. You're his babies. Think about that. You are God's baby. That's what gives me such joy, knowing that I'm his baby. I'm like, yeah, I'm his baby. Because I was the middle child. I was never a baby. But, um, you know, just tell you this, this day. If you feel, like, discouraged, if you feel like you're not worthy, that's a lie from the devil. You're worthy. God loves you so much. God wants to just give you hope and joy. God wants to give you his glory. God wants to give you his love and his compassion. Take it. Put it in your heart. Magnify the Lord. Exalt him every day. Pray with your family. Read with your family. Read alone. Early in the morning, get up and spend time in prayer. Before you go to bed, spend time in prayer. And it's sad when you see a Christian walk around defeated with no hope. It's like, dude, who do you serve? Honestly, ask yourself, who do you serve? If you serve yourself, you're in trouble. But if you serve God, God will tell them now that you move and you will move. And he will move all the sin out of your life. He'll remove all your iniquity. He'll give you hope.